Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. Auntie Sade. And Auntie Sarita. Okay, ladies, how are you, aunties? And what have you heard? So, on the old Instagram, there's all these clashes going on. And the latest one that people are asking for, or that I'm hearing about, is Jar Rule. What's the clash, 50 Cent? <laughs> <laughs> and that just makes me laugh. Because the funny thing I read, they were in the comment section, someone was like, oh, please. 50 could just play Get Rich or Die Try and the whole album and Jar would be finished. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that Jar Rule hasn't got tunes. It does make me laugh that Jar Rule's even trying to clash 50 Cent. Because can you imagine? 50 is such a troll. He'd be cussing him in between every single song. Like, I want to see it just to see what 50 says. What do you girls think? I saw this as well. I thought it was hilarious. Because 50 Cent is, as you said, a mega troll. Hasn't he already put a post up saying, um, with a picture of, um, Jarrell will something clash 50 for attention clash for attention and, yeah. he, and, he, and he spelled attention wrong as well and a, like a homeless like he's a homeless dude on the ground um, I mean and then he put hashtag fire festival this is a ridiculous kind of thing I saw it and I cracked up because I thought this would be very funny however I had a big clear out this weekend and I went through I found Jarrell's albums couple albums he had some tunes and I remember I was a very big before 50 Cent dropped on the scene Jarrell was big yeah. unfortunately killed his career yeah. however there jaru was hard holla holla was my tune so that was, tune. That was my big bad boy tune jaru tune so i don't know i think actually people would be more surprised about how many tunes jaru could pull out the bag but just for the bands alone 50 would just kill it anyway people will say 50 is one just because of his band that is the most funniest thing i've heard <laughs> in a long time he would just get killed there's no two ways about it like the comments will kill him all the trolls will come out like Joel couldn't make any sort of mistake I just don't even know how he has the balls to even entertain such an idea because I swear doesn't like 50 own Joel's music or the rights or something so is he allowed to play those tracks if he doesn't even own them like I just don't know I don't know man 50 is the ultimate troll I remember when he did he buy out the first two rows of like... <laughs> it was about the first six <laughs> rows. Yeah. Six rows, that's it, right. To, to make it look like there's no people there. I mean, if you're going to that level of petty, then, you know, I think 50's already won. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> So, I'm thinking maybe Ja Rule could seize this moment, though, and come back into people's eyes. So, even if he loses, you know, it's like a fighter. You know you're going to lose. But because you was in the ring, people's attention was on you. So maybe Ja Rule could just slide back in there and yeah, you lost, but he may not lose so devastatingly that he goes back into oblivion. He may actually be in there with a bit of a fighting chance because he does have tunes and people do love nostalgia. I think it would be in Ja Rule's favour actually to try and get in the, in the ring with him, then 50 cents. How was he even showing his face after all this fire festival stuff? Like, would you not just crawl under a rock and stay there forever? That situation alone is plenty of fuel for trolls and everyone else to cuss them about. 
I don't understand. I don't even know how he didn't get charged for that stuff because if you watch mm. it, he's, he's just like, I didn't know what was going on. You knew what was going on, mate. 50 would absolutely kill him because we're talking not only their own solo songs, but we're talking features and stuff like that as well. They can throw in and stuff that they mm. produced. And 50 produced the hell out of some shit as well. So he'd be, his job would be finished. He, and because he's such a troll, he would make every song related to trolling in some way everyone wants to see it for bands but the thing is what um i think 50 cent is going to play on as well is a desperation because that's what he's already putting you're homeless and you're begging you're begging <laughs> it so even if 50 knows this will be fun for him he knows he'll get extra followers extra like um boost to whatever endorsements and investments he has it will benefit him just without thinking about it but he knows because it will benefit jarul more I can bet that's why he's going to say no even more because it's like, <laughs> I this. 50 could do it. Anyone, like, he could do it just for bands. But yeah. just the fact that Gerald so desperately wants it and needs it, uh, unless people can dig at 50's ego, I don't know what gets to 50 Cent that makes him annoyed. Maybe get his son to say something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, I wouldn't even get to him. He wouldn't even care if they started saying stuff like that. He wouldn't even care. He'd just be like, man's making movies and films and TV programs and stuff. He wouldn't even care. But the first song that he'd play to Jaru was Window Shopper. <laughs> <laughs> what song does he really sting on? Like, you know when he, he, he cussed Jaru for singing, innit? So, and, and then he blatantly came back and started singing. So it'd be a whole 50 cents vocal track. <laughs> I stole your style, I stole your style. <laughs> um, okay, so I don't think it's a conspiracy theory, but I want to know what you guys think about this. Uh, hopefully you guys have heard of this campaign that's going around. That minister that released a statement that um, some patients in hospital, they were going to move into nursing homes and care homes. And in nursing home and care homes are vulnerable people. And people that have family in a home haven't been able to visit them because they're vulnerable. So it doesn't quite make sense that they would put patients from hospitals who haven't been tested for COVID-19 into nursing homes and care homes unless you wanted to kill old people. Now, I'm rounding this all up that there is a worldwide pension problem that lots of countries have actually spent the pension fund. So at some point, governments were going to have to come clean to citizens that were going to need you to work to like 75 because we don't actually have the funds to pay for your pension. Now, there's a theory going around that this is being adopted to kill off old people to mask up the pension fund deficit. Not that COVID-19 was started, but they're seizing this opportunity to cover up this main problem on two fronts, sue China, kill old people. Maybe in all the melee, we'll have enough money to get away with this. The thing is, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. At this point, we have the conspiracy theories. They've now said, like, you can't share more than whatever posts. And especially if they're talking about 5G and stuff like that, they shut Eamon Holmes down. And then I saw another post about Bill Gates um, actually released coronavirus so that we can get microchipped. All these things sound extreme. However, we are sitting in a Western country in our houses, not allowed to go out because a virus has taken control and the governments have been handling it in such a crazy way. I don't know if that's not true. I can't say wholeheartedly this isn't true. It sounds outlandish. It sounds ridiculous. Why go for all these measures just to get rid of old people? And also they've also proven that they can find money when they want to find money. So when things are at dire straits, print out more, 
type in more zeros or whatever the case is, but somehow they found magical funds. So is this really the extent they go to to get rid of people just because they've got pressure on a pension fund? It seems dramatic. However, the world as it stands, I don't trust them. Um, well, I don't trust them either, but <laughs> it does sound like a plot of a really bad Hollywood film. <laughs> I think it's a lot of effort to get rid of one group of people, to be honest. And also, as we know now, COVID-19 does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. And, you know, if you've got underlying health issues, then you're also at risk as well, at high risk. So, I, no, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. These things occur in nature anyway, do you know what I mean? And it just so happens that, you know, elderly people are one of the wonderful groups. Yeah, so I'm going to say no on this one. I was, go- I was, I was thinking, where's it going? And I thought... <laughs> I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm kind of still on the weird thought of why are we all here? And because I haven't been to the shops or anything, I'm like, is it really real? Am I in the Truman Show? Is this a big joke? Have I died? And this is like, you know, in Beetlejuice because you can't leave your house. So I'm constantly asking Danny, am I still alive or did I die? (laughs) And they're all in on it. And I just have to live here and figure it out. And that is the plot to my movie. I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. It could be, you know, if we're going there, it could be a plot by old people not to pay um, their... (laughs) 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 You know, my mum was mad. She was vexed that um, she had to now start paying her TV licence. They've extended the year, like, I think you could stop paying in your 60s and now they've extended it to possibly 75. They put a hold on it now because of corona. Ha ha ha, ta-da, you win. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you guys think? Because this is an actual policy. Like, they are instructing care homes that we will be sending you patients and they have not been tested for COVID-19 and you do have to look after them. So to me, that sounds insane as a policy. That doesn't make any sense. So why are they doing this policy then? Oh, no, I agree with you. I think it sounds the opposite to the advice that they've been given us, right? Do you know what I mean? So it just doesn't sit well at all. And I do think like when this is over, people are going to have to, they're going to have to own up to their responsibility and the decisions that they've made and like the impact on, you know, how many people have died and how much that could have been avoided as well. I just think it's a really unfortunate situation and I would hate to be one of those people making those decisions, to be honest, because they might feel like they've got no choice, you know, or there's nowhere else for them to go with the facilities that they need to be able to care for people in the right way. So it really, I don't know. I would, I would just hate to be making those decisions, basically. Are they providing these care homes with extra cordon off areas? Are they, is it just they're going to be intermingled with the existing population of the care homes? How are they, have they given them any extra provisions because okay we're thinking as a government who's running out of space in the NHS running out of beds the next place would be places that have got those type of facilities those medical facilities like hospices and care homes so logically that would be the next place you'd put people obviously this is like headline news so they will take the top line and make it sensational yes it would be a bit bait I'd then be conspiracy theorists 100 if they're like yeah we're just going to dump them in there with the old people and then see what happens but if they're saying actually we're going to let you move your existing guests to one side of the care home and the other side is going to be for corona patients and we're going to support you in looking after them that's then a different conversation it's not necessarily that the people have coronavirus it's that they've been in hospital and they're trying to free up beds so they're going to place people that have been in hospital 
not tested them and then put them into nursing home and care homes. Now, the lady that's spearheading it, her mother has dementia and she's in a home and the home manager sent her a letter saying this is what's happening. Now, we are against it and we've contacted the government about this policy that is unfair because we don't have facilities to look after hospital patients. And there's been various letters going around that this doesn't make sense when you have the Nightingale Hospital in London, there's another one in Exeter where they still don't have patients yet. There's hotels that are empty. It might be an issue about not having enough tests as well, because the people that um, have symptoms of COVID-19, especially severe symptoms, those are people that are going to be prioritised, along with healthcare workers, etc., who are going to be on the front line. So it might be a case where they don't have enough tests to test these people, but they still need to put them somewhere. Like at the moment, we still haven't really hit the peak. So we don't know like if that emergency to use those beds that are available in the 90 girl hospital, for example, are going to be needed in the next week or whatever. To me, it just seems like a really unfortunate situation. Then again, it's still back to the logical decision. I've gone a little bit further away from it being a conspiracy to more like, well, what would you do in this situation? But then I suppose and if that be the case, if you're sending them to people that aren't medically trained, why not use a hotel and then have those same kind of care people that you would have and maybe shuttle them back and forth between locations? I don't know. Maybe you could hire a bunch of people who are willing to care for people in that situation. Because I'm sure there's lots of carers. The way they've called back nurses from retirement, I'm sure they could call back carers to then put these people in hotels and it's a bit more contained and not around yeah. other people because you're in individual rooms. That's something that could happen. And then you pay hotels a certain amount of fee. That could be a solution. I don't know why that's not a solution. Exactly. People that work in care homes are quite concerned because the number of people dying in care homes isn't being tallied up with the number of deaths because they're only counting people that are dying in hospitals. So they're saying that there's a lot more people dying from corona symptoms who are in these care homes and they're currently being forgotten about. Also, as well, to add to that, is that some people have received letters from the places where they have their family in care homes saying that they've taken an option to do not resuscitate. I think that is more, is is something going on here, kind of thing. So, (laughs) you know, I think it's either the family's decision or whatever, but I think they got a letter from the GP or something like that. I don't know exact, exact details, let me just put that caveat in there. But that is definitely more worrying if there is like a blanket policy across the care home to say people get into a critical situation that they do not resuscitate, which is, yeah, that's freaking scary. So just to clarify, the care homes have now made that decision on behalf of the patients, regardless of what their relations and people say, or they're, they're advising their clients they're, to say. They're advising if paramedics come to a situation they're not supposed to resuscitate. Even if the patient, the client themselves have said, I want to be resuscitated, that overrides it. I don't know what the legalities are there. To be wow. Honest. Okay. Your organs and everything have to be shutting down. And then the, even at that point, it is a recommendation that medical professionals give you rather than them taking that decision out of your hands and out of your next of kin's hands. That to me is more than deep. There's human rights issues all over that one. I don't know if it's a policy, but um, my husband's grandmother died a month ago now. And she went into hospital with pneumonia. Now, she also had underlying 
illnesses as well. Once she got in, they decided that they weren't going to do a resuscitation on her. It had a name, it's gone from me now, but this seemed to be a standard policy over 75s who have an illness, it's like they're not going to treat you. They put you on, I guess it would be called palliative care. So they didn't do any treatment. They just kept her in hospital until she died and it took five days. So this seemed to be a procedure now in NHS hospitals that they are running with. That It does sound like if you go into hospital when you're old, you probably are not coming out. And I just think, no, there's something in it. So how are they allowed to make that call? Is it because it's a pandemic kind of thing? Or I just thought it was down to your next of kin or whatever. So they're just allowed to say you're not going to live. So there you go. I don't know how this applies when it comes to the donor. You know, they've made that thing now. You're this mandatory that they can take your organs when you pass unless you physically opt out. But before we had the option to opt in. But because there's a lack mm. of resources, so they say, we're automatically going to have our organs donated in the time of our death so i don't think this applies in the same type of way is it loophole under that type of thing this is strange so that i can understand the it's not even a conspiracy theory if society is struggling under the weight of the humans that are existing in it what's the cleanest way to oh hands are tied this is how we're going to deal with it how do you do that so this part is like less conspiracy more like okay how do you govern a country that's struggling under the weight of its inhabitants or its citizens i should say hmm if you've stolen all of their pension funds. <laughs> there is an article in The Guardian um, that talks about this and just one little sentence says, in the UK, unlike North America, the decision whether or not to write a do not resuscitate order rests with, with the clinic, not the patient or the family. Doctors, not patients, sign the order contrary to some of the rumours on social media. So they have the power to do that, to issue that. That's what it's saying. But they also, it does go on to say there's been some wrongly worded emails and letters that have gone out. They, they are trying to save people as much as they can and they'll only use it uh, if it's absolutely a necessity. But in these kind of times, it's just very difficult. And the most vulnerable people, which is, you know, the worst side of it, it's just that you're going to just leave them to die. I guess watch this space, eh? Remember I told you. <laughs> um, we've got another headline. Yes, so Auntie Charlotte here. So, I'm not sure how everybody is with US politics, but as we probably know, President Trump is known for saying very controversial things, to getting into arguments, even dismissing his journalists, calling, uh, you know, stations fake news and that sort of thing. And over, I think the last couple of days, he had an update like we have here in the UK, has an update about the coronavirus. And it seems like he's attempting to change history. He's saying that he acted before he actually did act. He's saying that he's taking things seriously when he had been quoted to say that he hadn't in the past. So basically, he was supposed to have known about the coronavirus from about the 17th of January, but they didn't actually act until March because he's saying it was just like a flu thing. And um, I think the other day, the news channel, I can't remember which one it is. MSNBC. But yeah, so that channel basically cut him off. So he was given his speech. And they actually cut him off because he started going into rally type propaganda. And I just thought, 
is the tide changing for Trump? What do we think? It was CNN and MSNBC as well. They both cut him off and they're just saying, look, he's just turned it into a campaign. I'd love to say the tide is changing because we never thought that he'd get voted in. But yet, these people voted him in. I mean, I like the idea that stations are starting to be like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Because a friend of mine was like, you know what we just need to do as collectively as society is stop retweeting Trump, stop responding to Trump, stop commenting on Trump, because this is what feeds his ego and his narcissism. And this is what keeps him going and fuels his minions. So we literally just blanked him out when he's doing nonsense and only maybe tune in when he's actually saying things that make sense if that ever happens. I'm not confident. However, I thought it was a fantastic move and more platforms need to do that. Stop giving him airtime because he's feeding off it like he's on a reality show. He keeps talking about ratings. No, I think the tide is slightly changing because of this. So if it wasn't for his stance with coronavirus, I think he could have sailed to a second term. But depending on how many people die in America, I think this could be the undoing of his campaign because it's been so mismanaged and he spoke about it too many times in public, literally like laughing off, like, ah, ha, ha, this is China's problem, ah, ha, ha, this is Italy's problem. Like, and then now it's on your doorstep and more people have died in New York. I don't think he can like make his way out of this unless the Democrats do something equally as foolish, but... There's two black MAGA people on Twitter. One's a guy, one's a girl, not Candice. Both of them incense my soul because they just cape for him. They'll do videos and talk. When you see those type of threads and those type of people, they're the ones that scare me because they're the ones that got Trump in. So, you know, the Tiger King society <laughs> of the world. These are the people that, like, can so easily... Who are the other black girls and the women? Diamond and Idiot. What they're called? Diamond and Pearl? <laughs> We're not even Diamond. I shall not this Prince's album. Diamond and Zirconia, whatever the freaking called. <laughs> Those two, they're still caping for Trump all now. How? I'm scared. When Fox turns their back, because sometimes Fox are backed against the wall where they have to be perplexed and be like, wow, even we can't do anything to spin this. However, it's down to those right-wing platforms. When they start doing it, really following suit, then I think that's when I'll be like, okay, something might be happening here. I'm, I don't trust the average MAGA person. Fox aren't going to change anything. They're run by his mate. Also, Trump is winning a second term. There is no way that anything is going to dramatically change between that. Don't get me wrong, I would love the Democrats to come in and win, but Trump is going to win again. He is. If you look back to when he was campaigning in the first place, from the minute he announced that he was campaigning, everyone was like, this dude ain't winning. He's got no political experience. And everyone was laughing and joking and saying, this man's got no experience. And then he won the Republican vote. And then it was like, oh, he's still not going to win. He's got no fit. Americans can't be that stupid or that naive. And then he won. There was still a massive, massive amount of hatred towards minorities and, you know, in that country. And Trump is a businessman at the end of the day. He has got his fingers in a lot of pies with a lot of business people, very, very powerful people in that country. And he's just going to win again. He is. He's a puppet and they're pulling strings and he's happy to do it because he's making his dough. So I just don't think that anything's going to change in the next four years. Everything you're saying, yeah, it's true. And he does have a really good chance. But I am slightly more hopeful, basically because of Corona. This really highlights that 
public health care is a massive issue and it's an issue across the board and it's an issue that actually affects his voters so we'll see you know how he's actually going to deal with that just seeing the media actually taking a stance and actually cutting him off we all know he says some outlandish things right he's done some outlandish things but this is never they've never done nothing like this so i think it's just like a little green shoot or growth of change hopefully (laughs) we'll see we'll see we'll see it is through healthcare that is one thing that i think could affect healthcare and public services that people are so dependent on even the same with boris johnson commending the nhs ironically you know for looking after him for those who believe he, he was actually sick and i'm surprised he didn't come up with that one because people are like is was he really sick was he did he really have corona we'll see we don't know however it is his um vehement thankfulness grateful exactly grateful um um attitude towards the nhs since he's recovered so this is where it's like how can you thank the nhs so deeply and then dare to go back to those cuts and policies that you had that your party has had um throughout the time which has basically destabilized the nhs the same for trump it will be interesting and it will be through those type of services that the public will revolt i just hope that these people can't spin their way out of it because the fat man can do a campaign in the middle you're supposed to be updating the nation about the state of affairs you're doing campaigning and cussing out journalists are you okay talking about i've got the most approval ratings are you dumb this is where truman show 100 that's my favorite film you know one of my favorite films yeah. watched it yesterday listen the truman show is for real we're all here trying yeah. to get to that other side of the fake wall the other side of the flat earth exactly <laughs> <laughs> The problem is, it is a lot of minorities that are dying in America from Corona, and they're not his voters. No. So. I emphatically do not co-sign this narrative. I think it's so, get black people riled up 101. So like, even when you go through the statistics of how they've broken down, like it's more black people that are dying, they're not showing you the areas that they're doing it on. And so they're not showing the counter side of it, like how many white people are dying, how many poor white people are dying. So they're pushing this narrative so that white people aren't thinking that they are dying disproportionately. They focus on black people, so you excuse yourself from it like it's happening over there. Black people internalize it, like this is being done to us. We go into victim mode. Viruses thrive when you're scared, it's just, feeding fear so that you perpetuate what you're saying is actually taking place. Each time I hear it, I'm like, how are people even falling for this? It's like when black people thought we was immune, they just got removed from Facebook. Then you wheel out black celebrities to say, oh, I have it, but it's mild symptoms. And then then we internalize that. Oh no, actually we can get coronavirus because Idris has it, because this NBA player has it. Oprah's doing interviews. I swear I'm like talking a thousand miles per hour because it gets on my nerves. But yeah, just anyway, it's like, I don't think it's true. I think we just need to calm with it and let the narrative that black people are dying more go sail in the wind, not take it on. It really isn't what it is. It's just another way to have us fearful until they let us out again. Someone on Twitter, this guy called Michael Harriet, said, it's irresponsible to write coronavirus is killing black people without explaining why. And we know why. Um, poverty, medical redlining, doctor bias, profiteering. It's like reporting for some reason. Black people keep dying when the cops show up. You have to say why. Definitely understand what you're saying about it being um, 
a distraction tactic so that people disassociate. And then when people are coming to vote, they're like, well, it wasn't us, we're okay. And all that type of stuff. It's very, very interesting. However, I wouldn't 100% remove that narrative because we are disproportionately in uh, blue collar jobs where we'll be on the front line by default. So just logically, we would be affected more. However, it doesn't take away from the fact of the other failings of the government in general, governments, plural, in general. Yeah, I was going to say a similar thing. I wouldn't necessarily like really reject the narrative. I think it's important that it's raised if, that, if those are the facts. I do have a, a little question mark about where that data comes from and how they're recording that information and stuff. But if it's coming from what I think are reputable sources, then I'm more inclined to kind of believe it, to be honest. I think that one of the reasons why people are speaking up about it, especially people from our community, is because who else is going to really like take care of us and get us together and kind of try and get through this? I think we could extend your headline to my one. Which Diddy has gathered together some black cultural leaders to discuss how they're going to tackle coronavirus when it comes to the black and brown communities. And my question was going to be, who the hell would we call over here? Because who are our black cultural leaders that we trust? have faith in and could lead us to the promised land potentially. So that America has lots of like black millionaires, billionaires and people of a note that they can turn to. Whereas we over here, I think we struggle. I mean, the people he spoke to were Angela Rye, Big Sean, Reverend Al Sharpton, Fat Joe, New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell, Congressperson Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Killer Mike, Charles Blow, Van Jones and more. So these people are quite notable. And so in regards to Charlie, what you're saying is who would speak up for us. They're the people that will speak up for us on our behalf and could essentially affect change. And we're talking about lobbying the government to do something better when it comes to how they treat people in these communities. So I think there is something there without losing sight of the fact that yes, if you shove this onto black people, the people of power who do run the world, the white people and the white voters and can get these people into power, they're the ones who will disconnect from it. It's a black problem, we're okay. Let's continue with Trump and the like. However, I don't think it's, at the end of the week, there's nothing you can do. We can't dismiss it because we had, um, there's recently, I shouldn't laugh, a priest in America who rebelled against the shutdown, um, got his congregation together. Now his wife has issued a statement that, no, his congregation has a statement that he has died of corona and his wife has now got corona too. So this is the thing where black people, we, I think there was that narrative that we couldn't get it. Nana, stop laughing. You're making me laugh. Wait, I've got to be serious. Stop it. Okay. First of all, there was a narrative that black people... <laughs> now, Sarita, stop moving. I'm How do we know they didn't give it to him? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, my first, God. Wait. First, <laughs> of, first of all, there's a narrative that we couldn't get it. And so we were a bit like... Because it was, it was taking long to take hold in Africa, which is interesting that people that aren't connected to back home, Caribbean and Africa... We're like, yeah, man, we're African now because we don't get it. But then all of a sudden, okay, my cousin from around the corner's got it. Now it starts to kick in. So there was that narrative. Then there was the narrative that, you know what, this social distancing is too far. So the churches and the church leaders who we, as a community, as people of color communities, tend to believe in these things a lot. We congregate at church and want to be taken to the promised land. And we have all faith in our pastors. And now we go to church and stuff like that. And now this has happened. So there is a need for someone to speak sensibly on our behalf when it comes to this because we interpret information differently especially if we think it only affects the white people we do the same thing and we reject it and say that's a white person's problem doesn't affect us so it's kind of like a catch-22 
Sorry, that pastor story just threw me, man. That's crazy. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, we're not crazy laughing at the, the issue. Sorry. No, no, we're not laughing at the de- but it's just even in Nigeria they're stopping churches. You know what I mean? Like even my mum's like big in the church and stuff like kind of thing. She's like she's at home, you know, like people are capable of listening to instruction when they're sensed. I think that is probably more to do with control and manipulation of people, to be honest. So maybe it's also the result of their current leadership who downplayed the issue, who basically didn't want to shut the country down. So people are just doing their own thing. And also remember, like, the United States is really run by the states, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's run by the governors. So the governors have to actually shut their cities down, really mm. and truly. And even Trump was saying, you know, you can't tell governors to shut their city if they've only had a few cases. I think what the data was showing is that where cities in which there's a high population of black people or there's a polarization of black people um, and white people in the cities percentage wise is higher deaths for black people i just think it's really important to come together in a time like this because the policies that come out and i mean i think i think we're all okay as an us but like a lot of even in our country the policies that come out we're more likely to be freelancers we're more likely to be on the front line do you know what i mean we're more likely to um be self-employed and that sort of thing so it's just like those policies and the delay of those policies and those funds and everything that affects us and it affects us greatly to answer your question actually sorry let me even ask your question over here who would do that for us i really can't even answer it i don't know i think maybe kalechi <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe she would. She would go that extra mile and she will make sure that we'll get to wherever we need to get. She's the only person I can think of that will go ham. Everybody else, nah. I think it's everyone out for themselves, really, over here. Tell everyone to go suck their mum. <laughs> exactly. She'll tell, she'll tell the government to do that, for sure. <laughs> but she'll bring us together. I <laughs> So to answer your question, the people who would probably speak for us would be, um, I think his name is Kehendi. Dr. Kehendi, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Kehendi, um, uh, Fia Hurst. There's a few people. I think we could get five together that would be able to speak eloquently and and put forward a, a black perspective. But I'm not even saying it's really about that. I really think that we need to consciously move away from a black and white agenda because it doesn't actually serve anybody. While Sade was speaking and you said, like, I think it's important that we do look into the information that is being presented. And I think that as well. But I also think behind that looking into it, we need to critically think of who is it actually serving that they are pushing this narrative that black people are disproportionately dying from coronavirus. Because when it comes to us being able to have free movement again, who are they going to penalise from free moving when they put it in our quarters that black people are more susceptible to this disease and have died more from it? I think it's these narratives that we actually need to like critically think of. Actually, who is it serving? Is it safeguarding? But then after the safeguarding comes back, how are we being penalised? How are we going to be tested on? And then we can start looking at this repetition that happens in history repeatedly, that it comes back onto us. 
because the news reporters putting it forward, they're not saying how many white people are dying. They're just putting it on like, well, it's disproportionately black people are dying. But what type, where, how is it happening? Like, do you know, all of those circumstances are not being critically analysed. From last episode, we talked about racism and how we have no body that can argue effectively about racism and things that affect us in this way. And this is the problem. Even Diddy putting together these people, you've got, I mean, I laughed, I chuckled that Big Sean and Fat Joe are yeah. in it, but they, they are cultural influencers and mm -hmm. people will listen to them in some way. So even us saying Kalechi from, you know, obviously, you know, you'd have the obvious ones like Akala and stuff like that. They're speaking and prodding and there's people who will actually move the government to be like, if these people do this, we are effed, especially in the UK. I don't know a black caucus who, if we move left, the government are like, shit, we're fucked. So we need to get them back to the right. That's the part, yeah. because even if it is, we dissect all this information. You, me, Farah, um, Sarita and Sade, got it. We get it. We know what to do. We, we worked it out. We've sussed it. Who are we taking it to, please? We're going to go and stand outside number 10 and then what? You know, even down to stories where black people wearing a bandana now to protect themselves. Because I got in a cab last night, I had to go to work for a shift at BBC and they've covered our cars. Before I got in, if I've only got a bandana, I haven't got any masks, that's my little form of protection. I only had a bandana, I had it down before I got in the cab, just in case, not that anything necessarily would happen, but that's my programming. Automatically, I've read that story and like, oh God, I don't want him to think I'm a gangster. I'm gonna come and rob him of his taxi or something. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, but it's that programming, it's that thought process. And they're saying that, you know, like, I'm going to go outside, as a, especially as a black, young black male, this narrative that's in our head, in our me these memes that are in our head, I'm going to go out, put a mask on or something like that, and automatically I'm going to be seen as a threat. And as you said, Nana, the policies that have been put in place, the ones that have been swept under quickly, rushed through, this stopping, this stop policy, all that type of stuff. Who, wh where are we afterwards to affect that change, really? So uh, as much as we can critical thought all this time, what are we going to do? Who is going to carry this on our behalf? Because it's not black and white, but however, society constantly makes it black and white, constantly. And it is about looking at things holistically, but we are divided. It, is, it does divide us and it does separate us. So what do we do? Who will tell Boris Johnson, listen, my man, if you don't do this, we're off, we're gone, and you're fucked. Who's going to do it? I really don't think it will work to present anything to the government. I don't think it what? works to protest. It's for us within ourselves that you level up your consciousness to actually move away from anybody's going to save us, the government are going to do anything. It's actually just working towards being self-sufficient. And then you'll start to meet like-minded people who are also working towards being self-sufficient because there are no leaders. And even when we do organize, you know, they infiltrate our organizations. It doesn't really yeah. work. It's just you have to do for yourself and move yourself and your family. And then you'll find there'll be people doing the same. And that's the movement. But it has to be individual. No talking, no leaders, no handouts from the government. I swear that's a wrap. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about informing us to do better and how to move forward in this silent way. How? And I guess we can't talk about it because they'll be revealing it. But how? Anyone listening? Think about the how. Don't talk about it. But think about it. <laughs> like Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there another headline that we could wrap up? Maybe lighthearted. <laughs> Oasis and Warehouse have gone into administration. And as soon as I read that, I was like, does anyone even shop there anymore? 
So my brother got me an Oasis voucher. And the thing is, what my brother did was text me and say, sis, what kind of clothes do you like? I said, Zara, worst case scenario, <laughs> worst case scenario, H&M. Worst, worst case scenario, Topshop, because with Topshop, you need a decent sized voucher, otherwise you're not gonna get anything. So I thought, uh, kind of watching his money and stuff like that. So sweet brother, those are my three options, but lead with Zara, got an Oasis voucher. <laughs> I haven't used it. I actually went in there, this was for Christmas, so it was like my birthday's in November, so I think it was a birthday um, voucher. Went to Oasis. They've got the generic style that every shop has, but there's just so, it's so interesting that you really can define your style in certain stores, and it's, even though they're quite carrying the same items, it's just something about a certain shop will not work for you. And I went in there about three, four times. I tried, I tried, it was free money, a voucher. <laughs> Always, I could not buy one thing, even down to earrings, accessories. I'm an earrings girl because my hair's always short. They had them, like, they went to China, got every single um, carbon copy earring, and that was it. That was what they were selling. I was, it's like, I couldn't even buy a pair of freaking earrings with my voucher. So, no, I understand why. Well, for me personally, I was never a fan. And warehouse, it just seemed, always seemed very mature, very middle class white woman. So, it just wasn't my style, I think. So yeah, no, I've done, those two stores I won't miss. Yeah, Oasis, I think they had a heyday period from like 2005 to 2010. And they, were, they did quite well. And then they shut down a lot of stores. So they've been on a decline for a while. Similarly with Warehouse. Warehouse just never found its people. You may as well just go and shop in Dorothy Perkins. It's 15 pounds cheaper, 20 pounds cheaper than shopping in Warehouse. So it's the same stuff, just cheaper. So you may as well just go to Dorothy Perkins. I'm not surprised. To be fair, I'm more surprised that they hung on this long in the present day climate because I think as soon as ASOS came along, who cares about Oasis and Warehouse? It's like the, your people that may have gone into the high street are now just clicking through their phone. So well done for hanging on this long and hopefully the workers can find a new job. Yeah, I haven't been into Warehouse or Oasis in decades. But when I did used to go, I feel like I just used to walk around the shop and then walk out. On the bigger side of things, I'm mourning the loss of the high street because I still haven't converted to doing online shopping. I hate shopping in theory, but I do like going in, getting the stuff, trying it all on in a changing room and then knowing what I've got immediately. I like going into stores for that. I don't like window shopping, but I just like when I've got the money, going in, doing my shop and coming out. I really hope that we're not losing high streets as it seems to be i don't know what will happen post corona how it will work because obviously now everyone's home and on and online it will even more make a bigger shift to for convenience and people are like actually i don't even need to go to the store i can do this stuff literally from my home and what would oxford street look like without shops will it be apartments what will it be i don't know i think the personal touch of salesperson and customer I don't know, I, miss, I think I will miss that. Maybe it's, I'm just being an auntie and it's old school thinking, but I do think what will the world be like if we don't have those high streets where we can walk down and go into a shop and buy something at, at leisure? I think outside's going to look a lot different because as well as high street shops like you've just named, there's a lot of restaurants that are going into, they're declaring bankruptcy and stuff like that as well. So there's going to be a lot of favourites that go just like it did when it was the banking crisis. We lost a lot of shops then. But, you know, with all closures, I think the tide of change can lead to new opportunities. And what I would hope would happen is a lot of landlords stop being greedy and they actually 
you want your shop to be occupied. So maybe it's time to then look at the people who are designer makers, make pricing fair so that they can be on the high street. And then the high street would be more diverse than every high street having chain stores in. People are bored of that. When you go to um, Italy, to Rome, there are streets of independent shops. So you're really getting a variety of like designer stuff in there or just unique items than it being all the same. I hope that the high street does die and gets resurrected and people realize that actually what you want on the high street is innovation and new designs. And then people will leave their houses and go and shop on the high street again. Yeah, that's true. Because I, I remember the changeover where from Manchester to London to Birmingham, it was like back in the day, you could be like, I could go to another town and see different shops. Now yeah. you just know what you're going to get, even to the point of going to Dubai and having a Marks and Spencer's in Dubai. I think that takes a whole traveling experience, kills a traveling experience. Yes. You're going to another country and seeing exactly the same shop in another country, you want the experience of going to a new store and seeing what else they've got. And generally, even back to the factory lines, as I said with the Oasis and the earrings, there was a time when Topshop, I used to go to Topshop and get such original earrings and H&M, but it was Topshop that really had real creativity. Before they started doing concessions and having independent designers, just the Topshop range, Freedom and the other one, whatever, you'd get such variety. And then now you just know what you can go to Topshop, you go to H&M, you can go to River Island and get the same bog standard earrings. That kills me. And that's the lack of creativity and innovation. And so you're right, Nana, more independent thinking. Or if you're going to be a chain store, stop getting from the same factory and then putting different prices on it. Like literally <laughs> the same three pair of jeans and they're all different prices. <laughs> you know, you may have got them from the same factory in whichever um, so-called third world country you're, you're undercutting. Yeah, it's true. Independent, more independent designers. Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. Let's go with our first dilemma. Shade. So this dilemma came to us through DM. So basically this guy has been seeing a girl and she made it very clear at the beginning of the relationship that she got pregnant, she would keep the baby. And um, he himself, he wasn't really too keen, but, you know, she said her piece and that was it. And now it turns out that she's pregnant and he's kind of pissed. But does he have the right to be pissed? No, because you've had unprotected sex. So if you didn't want to have a child, just put a condom on. I don't really get... So I'm thinking, all right, in this scenario, maybe he is like a bareback king. So she stated... You love bareback. If I get pregnant, I'm keeping the child. So then it's a risk that he took. And so you just have to be like, I like it bareback. This is what's happened. Simple. I mean, it's a very open and shut case here. As Nana has literally just said, men always accuse women of trying to change them. And knowing the facts from beforehand, oh, I told you at the start I didn't want a relationship, blah, 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 blah. But they never, ever listen to what we're saying. So when a woman is saying, listen, I'm not going to be getting rid of any babies. So we can go true. We can ride and die. We can get it on. But trust me, if anything happens, I'm keeping my child because for whatever reason, fertility, having baby, it's a risk at all costs for us. So, you know, if we get that chance, a lot of women, if we get that chance, they're going through because the thought of abortion and all that type of stuff is traumatic, emotional, and very big decision for some people. So he, he was told, she said it from the start. So what, his arrogance as a man thought, yeah, don't worry about that we'll deal with it when it comes. And this is 
prepper for you. You have a whole entire, entire child that's coming to greet you in nine months' time. Get on board, mate. And don't talk about, you're not going to be there, blah, blah, blah. She's my baby mother. There's my baby. Shut up, fam. Shut up. You should have strapped up. You're too grown. I'm assuming he's grown. When you're banging, you're grown. You're too grown to be talking about, oh, it feels too good, so I can't use condoms. Shut up. If you're not wearing doms, this is the consequence. That's it. Finish, simple. Go and support your baby. Yeah, man. You should have strapped up before you tapped up. That's all I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, you are a grown-ass man. Oh. You know that if you have sex with somebody, it is basic biology. If you don't use a condom, there is a chance that that person might get pregnant. She told you from day dot, before you hit it and tried to quit it, she told you that I don't believe in abortions, right? The same way that he probably told her that I don't believe in condoms or I don't like condoms or whatever it is, yeah, and still proceeded to have sex with her, bareback, that's on you. Because what did you think that was going to happen? I cannot stand when these men want to come out afterwards and talk about, oh, she trapped me. Unless she gave you a Viagra pill and a roofie and climbed on top of you, you've got no, no leg to stand on. I'm sorry, what did you think was going to happen? You can't complain about the fact that someone's got pregnant when they told you from the off. If this happens to me, I am not doing that. Guys sometimes think that having an abortion is like taking a pill. It can be a very traumatic experience and it's down to the woman to decide whether or not she wants to have one or doesn't want to have one. It's not down to you to make that decision because after you bust your nut, you then just didn't want to take responsibility for it, yeah? Take responsibility for your shit. Go away with that, man. Come on now. No. <laughs> Save devil's advocate. Yeah. No devil's advocate in here. No, <laughs> because this question is... <laughs> does he have the right to be pissed because even though she was clear in what she was saying that wasn't his end goal so from his point of view it's not the desired outcome for him isn't he allowed to be like annoyed or upset i'm playing devil's advocate listen because also as well i was thinking <laughs> is it like similar to like you know when a girl with a guy and he's like oh i don't want to settle down you know he's like treating her as if he would treat a girlfriend or significant other but he just doesn't want to be in a relationship because he's told her this does she have a right to be pissed because oftentimes it feels like the girl still has a right to be pissed he has the right to feel whatever he wants about the situation. He can be happy, he can be sad, he can be angry, he can be vexed. He can, you know, go to bed crying every night. He can have all those emotions. He has every single right. He does have the right to be vexed. Absolutely. However, from when you inserted the tin into the hole, it is it. That's it. It made a baby. That's all. Finished. <laughs> this is what's happened. You, you chose not to protect yourself. So you can't, this is the thing that I really find annoying with men in this conversation and the, the blame that gets heaped on women in this. And the woman's not, she's not, listen, she's not innocent in this. It's not saying that she doesn't need a slap around her forehead either. However, she did say, I'm not having an abortion. Now, if you want to continue to bang me without condom, I've let you know that I'm in a space in the realm to have a baby. I don't know if he knows her backstory. I don't know if he knows anything about her otherwise, other than if they're just banging or whatever the situation is. However, she has declared, I, I'm going to have a child if I get pregnant. This man should be like, I'm strapping up because I don't want no kids. That's it. Don't try and go on like you're bad. And the flip reversal that you gave. Yes, girls can be pissed. However, I think 
there is this problem that we have, this narrative between men and women, where we think we can change each other. We both do it. However, sometimes in that relationship thing, when guys are like, I don't want a relationship, I don't want to settle down. And then they treat the woman like a queen. And then when it doesn't go their way or when they meet somebody else, it's like, well, I said it in the first place. Have, I think men tend to be shady with their intentions. So sometimes they play the averages. So like they'll treat some of their girls like a certain way, some of their girls a certain way. Some people they give them the black and white, I'm just fucking you and I'm gone. Not even a hug, not even a spoon in and not even a nothing. Others, they'll get the little creature comforts and that gives a little bit of a delusion. But they're like, maybe I like her, maybe she could be wifey. Let me see how it goes. So sometimes it's those women there are the ones that are like, well, hang on in there. I'm like, okay, maybe, because he's given me everything, so maybe. So they have a right to be pissed at the end of it if he switches. Anyone can feel how they want to feel. However, this is the difference. If you have sexual intercourse with somebody and you do not use protection, there are a few things that can happen. You can catch a dose for one, and your dick can fall off. And when you go pee, it can burn like fire, okay? Can you explain dose? Clap. I well, just did by saying is. your dick can fall <laughs> off or it will burn when you pee. So that's what I mean by catch a dose, right, of the STD. That's what can happen for men and women. You're taking a massive risk, not just having a baby. But the difference between when a guy meets a girl and they're seeing each other and he's made it clear that I don't want to have a relationship right now and to when you're having sex with somebody and they become pregnant, that is a life there's mm -hmm. something bigger there than just the two of them now whether or not that girl then chooses to take the responsibility into her own hands and raise the child by herself or she decides not to go ahead with the pregnancy but a pregnancy has happened she can't change him he can't change her but you shouldn't go into something when someone's told you i'm not having an abortion i don't believe in abortions and then expect them to have an abortion and then be pissed about it what you should have been pissed about is that you never went and bought yourself two condoms put them both on that's what you need to be pissed about i'm sorry i'm tired of these men taking no responsibility for their involvement in shit you bust your nut you did it i agree with what everyone else said i think people just need to be honest like if you're in a relationship and you can't see yourself having a baby with this person why are you having sex unprotected it's just dumb. It's dumb. He, he needs to just shut up and get on with it, really. He chose. He chose. Can I just throw in another thing there? Say if it wasn't unprotected sex that they have and it was just like an accidental pregnancy, does he now have the right to be pissed? I just want to uh, know if there's a degree. I think, again, nothing changes. You have the right to be pissed. Accidental pregnancy is a different conversation. I do think it's a conversation because then there's the point where you're both consenting adults or choosing to have sex, because then it gets to the big thing where you just don't have sex with someone that you don't see in your future, which is the very biblical, human controlled, we live by every single moral going, we don't give in to urges and this is how it is. I only sleep with somebody that I potentially will marry or have their children. We don't do that as human beings, but that is the bottom line. So essentially you should not be having sex with that person if you can't see a future of them. This shit happens. I think it does present an issue because then we could turn it to the woman and say, look, you know this guy doesn't want you to be the mother of his future children. So you yourself should take responsibility and not sleep with him because then you are putting him in a situation as well if we're going to really play devil's advocate, and it's not even devil's advocate, it's a true fact. I'd say this to my, anyone, any young person in my circle, any woman in my circle, why are you sleeping with him then? And if you know that you want, especially women, if you know that you want a child, why are you sleeping with someone that literally said that if you get pregnant with me, because that's also a diss, he's actually disrespecting me. He's actually saying to you, you are not the person I want to raise my kids. I don't see it. Because there'll be another woman that he might say that to, but actually she gets pregnant and he's like, yep, that's it, I'm changed. And that's the one I want. So 
if he's saying that to you, then you need to start sleeping with him. So he has the right to, I think in that situation, if contraception fails in a way that he was taking responsibility because he said what he said, it's a conversation that both of them need to look at and she needs to take some onus on that situation. But when she said to him, I don't believe in abortions, did he say to her at that point, well, I don't want to have any children? Or is this, or did clear. he say that after? You see what I mean? So that's, that's another issue. That's another grey issue, isn't it? Because I'm with you. If he said from the beginning, I don't want no more children or I don't want any children and she said, well, I don't believe in abortions, well, they, they both should have gone to the shop and bought condoms. I don't think he has a right to be pissed at all. It's just, I think more than anything, it's just taking responsibility for both of them that this has taken place. I think for the woman, she probably wanted a child anyway. And he just needs to accept that I took a risk, I gambled, and the gamble didn't, it didn't work this time. It's like, and then you decide, am I going to be present in my child's life? Or am I not? And I think that's the only, those are the questions, really. Other than that, if you took a gamble and you lost. For the girl, if she was on the pill or there was that pill situation, I think it still remains the same. If you don't see her as the mother of your child, then you do need to jog on. Leave her alone. Don't have sex with her because this can happen and now you're in this position. So I don't even think it's biblical. I just think it's, there could be loads of people that you see and you're like, actually, I wouldn't mind this person being the mother of my child. And you can have sex with them and leave them. But you wouldn't mind that. If you purposefully do mind that, actually, if this girl gets pregnant, I'm not on it. That girl, your willy does not need to go inside her. Like, have more respect for your body. Put it in someone else. To have more respect mm-hmm. for yourself. That's because that's what I would say to the girl. This guy has been telling you that you're not worth it. He's basically dissing you, but yet still banging you. So yeah, I'd say, yeah, from a woman's perspective as well, don't sleep with that guy. Freedom of speech, freedom of rights. You, he has the right to get pissed. Whether anyone minds his piss, pissed offness, <laughs> that's a different thing. You can be angry. It's okay. But no one's going to hear it because we lay out this situation. You'll get slapped for days. Keep it to yourself, innit? Be pissed alone in your room. As you look at your bank account, because you've got to pay for babies. <laughs> Next dilemma. Someone emailed in to us and said, um, her name is Weed Baby. So you can probably understand where this is going. She's a weed baby. And she said that she's been smoking for a long time. She didn't say how old she is, but she said she's been smoking for a long time. And she's conscious of the coronavirus, you know, the at-risk people who, you know, you smoke and all that type of stuff, chests and all that type of stuff. So she said she's a bit conscious, so she decided to stop smoking weed. However, she's now starting to inhale more food and she's a bit scared of now becoming dependent on something else. So she wanted some tips on how to keep her mind distracted off not smoking weed and also to stay out of the damn fridge and eating off all the snacks. I would say um, exercise. Now, I smoked for 10 years, not weed, because I'm a good girl. And I quit. I think after my like fourth attempt, but I went cold turkey. I was with a stupid boy at the time that, you know, really didn't want my body to be firm. And I listened to him like a dickhead and I didn't go to the gym. And that was, I think, one of the biggest mistakes that I made really and truly. Because, you know, I kept the habit because he didn't smoke. So it was easier. 
but I did pile on the pounds one, especially in the UK. Most people do mix their weed with nicotine and that it does help to suppress your appetite actually. So if you smoke like that, mate, you need to do some sort of exercise because that appetite will catch up with you. <laughs> it really will. And you'll just do it out of habit as well. Like I think that's the one thing if not that I would smoke again, but what I miss about smoking is just the social interaction. And also because it's, I don't know how, to, it sounds a bit like an oral fixation, but you're putting something in your mouth, which is like eating. Um, you're not a good girl because you smoke cigarettes instead of weed, okay? <laughs> it's like trying to get points. Not I'm a good girl because I stopped. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I was young when I started smoking and finished smoking and when it comes to cigarettes and it wasn't an issue I was skinny anyway and didn't bother me and we had freedom it sounds so cliche and patronizing but find another hobby I don't know what it could be or if it is a thing where you're eating how about looking at healthy snacks and healthy alternatives so if you are feeling like you're going for things what are you going for and why have a look at that so maybe instead of picking up a packet of crisps pick up a lettuce I don't know <laughs> Just maybe look at the snacks that you're eating and look and try and monitor that. But it's going to be hard and probably exercise and finding some other distraction tactics. I mean, you can still go shop. We can get, I don't know if whether nicotine patches work on weed smokers at all. I don't know if she's an ITEL smoker where she just smokes pure weed. Mm. I have no idea. So, and you think if the munchies are removed, they should not still be in place. You take away the weed, the munchies should also go with it. I was quite lucky when I stopped smoking because I was pregnant, so I had to. <laughs> and I just haven't started again. So I so smoked for a very, very long time. So your advice to this person is I to get pregnant. I did not say you have a baby. <laughs> like, I'm just saying I personally, after years of smoking, like I started smoking at a very, very early age. And I smoked all the way through my 20s and very early 30s. So. I stopped and started and stopped and started. So I can't sit here and say this worked for me 100% because I kept going back to it. And the only thing that made me stop is when I had to. I had no choice. I do think that exercise and eating healthy will probably help her. And the fact that sometimes when you can't get it, you haven't got much of a choice. There's nothing else you can do. It's not like she can just bring the, the weed man right now. It's no, a bit more difficult. <laughs> is it though? Mm. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it's impossible. It's difficult. There's ways... Apparently they're doing um, hands-free dropping. Yeah. So I've much. heard that it's not actually that hard to get hold of, but apparently they're doing quite well in their businesses. Oh. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have any advice. I'm just still here smoking shisha um, and drinking wine. I mean, if you want to stop, stop. I was going to ask, what does, what, what does shisha do, by the way? <sighs> So I'm not a cigarette smoker, but I do have shisha now and again. Usually it's when I go out, but we're obviously not going out. But you can, it's basically like flavoured tobacco. So Oh, is that one? Okay. Yeah, so it's like it tastes like candy or sweets. And because I'm not a smoker, I do get a little bit... It's not a high, but you feel... Is it tobacco? Chilled. Yeah, it's flavoured yeah. tobacco. I didn't know it was tobacco. I just like it. Like, when I've gone out, I've had it. I didn't realise it was tobacco. Yeah. It's not good for you. Aren't some of them like liquidy smokies? I didn't know. I thought I didn't know all of them were tobacco. I thought other there was other liquidy things. You can get so um, you can order tobacco less shisha, 
but you don't get that kind of buzz that you do get from the nicotine. But yeah, it's, it's worse than smoking cigarettes because you can sit there for like an hour smoking, whereas obviously a cigarette will last, I don't know, because I don't smoke cigarettes, but yeah. Okay. That's why people started smoking tobacco in the first place, is because it kind of makes you high. So it's the same thing with a shisha, because you're getting it direct, but you're not having all the chemicals that would be in a cigarette but it will give yeah. you like a, a head rush type of thing. Very small, minuscule, it's not like, you know, crazy. It's not like weed. I mean, might as well smoke no. weed. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe she uh, should just get a not legal. Oh, yes. <laughs> she could get a vape. That's I know scary. a lot of people that have stopped smoking weed and have gone on to that. Vaping's supposed to be quite bad for you. We yeah. just don't have the research for anything. Yeah that you're adding to your lung capacity is generally not advised at this moment in time, really. So she's doing the best thing. I mean, she, I suppose then she could look at cooking weed. If, oh. obviously it's illegal, oh. so I'm not advocating doing anything oh. illegal. However, she could bake if she had any left, because obviously she wants to get rid of it all because she doesn't want to be a criminal anymore. <laughs> she could bake the rest into a lovely cake or a brownie. <laughs> Or a tea. chocolate cake. A That's a good idea. That is a good idea. That's like what we were talking before of you weaning yourself off the ice. This is the methadone. The methadone version is our cookies. Edible. <laughs> However, no one's provided me a methadone version of ice, thanks. <laughs> Water. I did. Ice lollies. <laughs> ice lollies. I, 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 I um, had had an ice lolly addiction before and didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> the jubbly bubbly ones in the triangle pouch they are ah! not they're not very sweet and then they would be delicious i started eating way too many of them and problems afoot so yes no okay cool i know i have methadone for you frozen grapes they're oh going to be really good you're going to start getting me mad again right <laughs> i told you i told you i don't want an alternative to ice. <laughs> Don't. Want a grape? I like grapes unfrozen. Any more dilemmas if I get mad? I actually think that was a really good suggestion though. No, because I've had this suggestion. Maybe grapes, frozen grapes, really? But did you did try it? Nice? No, I don't want a frozen grape because that's not the point of ice. Ice is ice. Oh, you don't even know. You may like it. And then you're no, 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 listen, listen, listen. I do not want a frozen <laughs> grape, okay? I don't. I don't want a frozen grape. I don't but have you tried it, though? Have you tried it? I don't want it. No, no, no. You haven't even tried it, man. I know. You've got to try when, it. When, when you bite a grape, it's going to go mushy. That's not the texture. It's not just no. about the ice. No, it's frozen. No, it's not. It's frozen. It's frozen. Listen, listen, listen. You haven't even tried it, so I'm not listening. No, 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 no sorry, but hold on, listen, it's a fleshy it. thing. It's a fleshy, frozen no. thing. It is not You've a clear it, block. Ice yeah, but it's like 90% blockage. water, so... No, but it's a flesh. You'll be left with a residue that's mushy in your mouth. It is I've not got, going to be like I've got ice. another one. I've got another one. You're decent. You're frozen, frozen cucumbers, frozen carrots. Oh, They're different mushes, different types of mushes. Mm. I, I suggest no. you try it. Can we move on, please? <laughs> I was just going to say, um, I'm going to keep all methadone suggestions to myself from now on. <laughs> my methadone suggestions are going nowhere. Can I just ask the audience, yeah, can you send in your recommendations for Auntie Okoya on what she should <laughs> eat instead of frozen ice cream? <laughs> if you could DM us all your suggestions, that would be great. And then she can try them out one by one and let us know her progress. <laughs> 
Be prepared to get the cussing of your life. You know what, listeners? You know what you can do? You can also send Sade suggestions on how to handle her periods. <laughs> More dilemmas about periods. We want Shade, Auntie Sade wants to answer your problems to do with periods. Every week we want a period problem. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll talk about menopause too. Oh, God. <laughs> that was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas dot your aunties could never at gmail.com hey i'm auntie farah and you're listening to your aunties could never and now we're about to take you guys back with black in the day so aunties since we're in quarantine you know today um i'm actually sporting a wig today it's an old wig i've spruced it up just because we we're recording i thought you know what let me just make an effort today because actually <laughs> i wish my hair the weekend and it looks really bad <laughs> I didn't play properly. But anyway, anyway, anyway. I was thinking about hairstyles and what kind of hairstyles you had as a kid. Um, And, you know, we're in quarantine. Would you sport some of those hairstyles now? Would they be good or for you or for your kids? So, yeah, have a little think about hairstyles. Okay. Go on, Aquaria. So, I will never, 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 never revisit my teenage hairstyle because it was a triangle curly perm. Now, um, <laughs> everybody, <laughs> it, was, it was a triangle perm, curly perm because I, like, I think, okay, this is the part, you're not gonna feel bad for laughing. See, as a child, I was fostered. Um, and basically, because I went to white families who didn't, two white families who wouldn't have the capacity to do my hair, my mum shaved my hair short. So I had a great head of hair, but she cut it down. So I had a little buzz cut, little, little bifro with these two foster families. So when I came back to London and stayed with mum finally, and it was the rage, obviously it was the 80s, so everyone from man, boy, girl, everybody had a curly perm with the curly jerry curl juice everywhere. So it was cool to get um, curly perm. And also for Afro hair, it was a growing mechanism. You know, we, So I had a curly perm. And I thought it was really cool. Like when I was 10 and had one, I kind of used to comb it black back and slick it and think I was really cool. And then when I got to teenagehood, then it was like going to high school. So it was like cutting a bob. And because it was just like a literal triangle, it's like a rep, like side party and a kind of quick fringe. Shave. <laughs> the most rebellious I could get was shave it at the back. And that was the extent of it. And I would never, 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 never bring it back again. Can we get a picture of you for this episode? Yeah. I was going you to say, we're all triangle. listen, every hairstyle that you lot are suggesting, you're going to bring picture and we're going to put it out there. So don't try <laughs> it. We're just that's saying fair. We're that's all fair, doing that's it. Fair. Okay. <laughs> Um, so obviously I was very cool in um, secondary school and always wanted to be a bit different. So I, do you remember um, the brat, how she used to have the singular yeah. plaits with the yeah, yeah, yeah. This oh, yeah, yeah. So the zigzag partings and the singular plaits and the, um, the beads at the end and no one else was doing it. So obviously I felt extra special and I was cool. But I went to like, um, it was the majority of the people in my school were white. So obviously they were a bit baffled. But one of the teachers was like, I'm not sure if this is allowed. I'm going to have to check the rules. But because it was a white school, they hadn't written anything about zigzag partings and beads in their thing. So I got away with it. But yeah, that was me. I don't know if I'd bring it back. I've got a few beads in my um, extensions, actually, in my braids. Yeah, I don't think I'd do the whole zigzag parting. I had, like I said, there's two notable, notable bad choice hairstyles. When I was a kid, my mum would put string in my hair 
and mm. do the singles and then have it just going round. I think anybody with a little African child in their class or school probably has seen this hairstyle and I was a sufferer of this. I absolutely hated it. And so I'd take it out, but then I'd look like a spider because it would all kind of hang out in the hopes that my mum would just take the thread out and let me have my hair in a ponytail. Then when I was a teenager, I thought I was a bad girl. So I was archetypal, hair up and slipped down fringe in swirls. And that lasted throughout secondary school to kind of go in raving. But I was known for gel, slipped down hair and kiss curls on my forehead with rashes as well. She's thinking about it as horrendous. But those two were my main hairstyles growing up. I didn't have them. Due to my circumstances being uh, in a difficult household when I was a kid, my hair wasn't really done um, at all. So I used to have like, uh, I don't even know what to call it, mate. It just wasn't done. It was just very small and very uneven. So I used to get called a lot of names and all that kind of stuff. But I think when I got a little bit older and I was able, um, I think someone showed me how to do hair. I was learning how to came roll, so I used to do it well, like plat, one plait into another kind of thing and that's how I started off and then um this lady she showed me how to do it and then I started came on in and I got really good at it it really helped me because we weren't allowed out a lot so I used to change my hair every week so I used to do that and I used to write my name in the back of my head in oh, wow. kind of thing and that was like my go-to if I was feeling bad that was what <laughs> that's what I would do kind of thing um and that was yeah that was like just like there's so much time spent in my bedroom just practicing and practicing and using a mirror to kind of get it all right and that sort of thing and then other people at school would um, ask me to do their hair too so yeah it was, it was pretty cool can you still do that yeah my name's like four letters so it's not that hard so is mine um, <laughs> yeah. yeah no no it wouldn't be that hard either yeah I could do that oh that's wicked do people still do the threading hairstyles? Mm. I haven't seen kids with that for ages. Well, I think we're like all too damaged. Kids today wouldn't have it, but it's, it, I like the fact that in some circles, like in, uh, in fact, high fashion, you could get away with it. If you're a little yeah. bit of shonga, shinga, yeah. Yeah. Shinga yeah. and then in Lupita, they could do those styles mm-hmm. and Rihanna could do it and be like, pay homage to the African styles. We didn't understand our culture back then and we just literally wanted to blend into the background. My mum did the same thing with the thread, joined it up so it looked like a road works on my head. Yep. I, was, I was mortified <laughs> when that happened. And my mum couldn't camo, so threading was her default. Yep. And also what she used to do was party down the middle and I'd have yep. six plaits yep. that looked like hooks. And then the kids used to call me Medusa. Yep. And you know, it's like, yep. I went to white school, I went to school in Wimbledon, very predominantly white. And they're like, you look like Medusa. And I'm like, mommy, can I just, and again, you, all you wanted was to, not even to be like the white girls, I just wanted to have a ponytail. Have yep. my hair, my hair, when, as it grew back, it was long enough. Have a ponytail, please, just a ponytail. No. See, I remember a few styles growing up. I'm, my mum couldn't came row either. So she used to do the one where it's one plait, like you said, Sade, and then she'd plait the one plait into another plait. And she'd do like maybe about 10 of them over my head and then put like a bow in it. (laughs) No, sorry, not a bow, a ribbon. It wasn't a bow. It was a ribbon. She would put a ribbon in my hair in one of the plaits and then I'd get the hook up and I'd go to my auntie because my auntie was a bad cat and she used to be able to plait all sorts of camo styles. And if you ever saw me with extensions or anything like that, it's because my auntie would do my hair. She was like wicked, like it hurt to buggery, but bloody hell, she was really, really good at doing hair. 
And then that, so that was like in school. And I just remember in primary school, one time she did my hair and extensions and the white girls were like, did your hair grow overnight? Yeah. Oh my God, how come your hair's really grown? It wasn't like that yesterday. Is that all yours? And I'll be like, yes, because I paid for it. But, um, you know, <laughs> and then I remember when I was, um, when I left home, my mum didn't want me to cut my hair and stuff like that. So when I left home, this is the permanent days, obviously, the first thing I did, I cut my hair short. Actually, AK, you did it. Yes. Um, I cut it well short, that kind of, um, what's her name, Nia Long and Friday sort of look. Yeah. I loved that because it just meant I could just wrap it and then get up in the morning and then not have to do too much with it. Then I went to a hairdresser's. And they cut my hair really short and gave me a short back and sides and I could no longer tongue it because it was so short that I had to get the only thing that could help me was a tub of gel and slick it down. Not with any waves or anything, but just the bowl head kind of slick back. You know, like when you see those guys now and they're losing their hair. <laughs> they do that. Sorry. They look like that. Because it was so short, and for about a month, that's all I could do. To be fair, that gel down look, I think my daughter was looking for some pictures, and she saw that gel down look. She said, Mum, why is your hair like that? And I said, listen, don't you dare, don't you dare. The slick, what, hot, you get the 99p dark and lovely gel, or if you're yes. bad, you've got Nixon. You've got or the pink gel. one, the pink oil moisture, that one. That was well, good. Yep. Actually, for me personally, especially because I was a finger wave queen, so I was a hairdresser from young, and Farah was probably the first, Auntie Farah was the first person's hair I cut. And I hadn't had any training, but hairdressing was in my fingers. So then when I got kicked out of college, my mum was like, you're not staying in the house. You better find somewhere. So I went to my auntie's who had a home hairdresser in White City. And then after college, um, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I worked in a hairdresser in Labrick Grove. And that's where I cut my teeth and became a bad boy hairdresser. And I was a finger wave queen because in school, when we, people talk about, you know, we, we call them wigglies, gel down and um, sit into your face, all that stuff. I'd have queues of girls, white girls, black girls lined up in my chair to get wigglies and stuff like that. Um, but the gel down slick look, that was wicked. Go raving though. You know yeah. when you go raving and it was particularly mm. hot, your hair would lift. So you look like yeah. you had a literally helmet <laughs> on your head. Yeah. And then the worst, because the worst is if you didn't set your hair, like I always, because I had generally, I've always cut my hair short in the end. So I'd always have my hair gel down. Most, like, especially going raving, it was easy. However, when that sweat came, and if you didn't set your hair properly from the night before, and it was wet in any part, because you might move and it might feel kind of cold and wet still in the yeah. middle. And you go raving, you'll literally look like such a tragedy when he came. Helmet out. head. His helmet head was a liberty. And if you hadn't permed your hair, because the best gel down is when you've just permed your hair. Yeah. When you start to get regrowth, especially yeah. if you've got thicker hair and you've got that inch, that like half inch of natural hair, then the rest is straight. And you're like, oh no, it was problems, problems, man. But the gel down slip that was bad, bad boy's hair as well. I would not bring that back either. I wouldn't bring that back. No. That's still about though. I see young girls with it still now. It's like every generation finds mm. their way to gel and carries yeah. it on. Yeah, some way, some way, shape, or form. Um, but yeah. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah, and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Almost time to wrap it up, but before we do, Aunties, what's made you sad, mad, glad? My sad, mad, glad today. So I have been diagnosed with IBS, and oh. I've been told that I have to avoid certain foods to see which foods actually aggravate me. And I've been in a bit of um, denial, to be honest. So I can't have rum. And um, Antiguan Trinidadian rum is the favorite tipple. So yesterday, I decided to have a rum punch because I didn't believe it. And then I had a stomachache. 
So oh. I'm sad that I have to actually avoid rum. And I'm mad that I didn't listen to the advice because it was quite painful afterwards. I'm glad the weather's picking up. That's why I had the rum punch because we're on the balcony having fun and it was nice and summery. So I'm, I'm glad that the weather's coming and I can do quarantine on my terrace and in my garden. I'm sad because there's too much to watch. Everything's coming back and I've got things to do, but yet I'm staying up late watching things. Um, Good Wife is back, Insecure is back, Westworld is going on, um, the new, and a couple of new series. People keep telling me, oh, you've got to watch this, you've got to watch that, you've got to watch 20s. I'm sick and tired, shut the hell up. I'm sad I can't fit it all in. Because actually, even though we're in quarantine, I'm actually damn busy. So I'm really sad and slightly edging into mad. But my mad is also another thing of form of entertainment. The freaking DJ clashes, whether it's if Ja Rule and 50 Cent come on, whatever the case. So, do you know what time I went to bed? I stayed up. Okay, look, it was a weekend, yeah, and I chose to tidy up my flat. I did. We had a massive blitz. So um, Friday, the Saturday night, I kind of welcomed this clash because I was up tidying up. I was surrounded by debris in my room. So it was actually good to have something to distract me while I was tidying up. However, what I'm mad about is Pacific times, Eastern, Western times, GMTV times. I don't care. Can we just all get on the same level time? I stayed up till 2 a.m. to watch Rizza versus Primo. I don't know. It was later than that. You were up later than that. And that, I must say, it started at 2. And then I went to bed. All I know is I was in bed by 6. 6. Yeah. And I'd got up at 9 to start tidying up. I did a whole night. For what? For what? But also... The fact is, and also DJ Sus One, you mother effer, you damn good DJ, you, I hate you. Because you'll do some sets and I can't go to sleep because I'm partying. And you, Mr. Start It All, what's his name? DJ um, D-Nice. DJ freaking D-Nice. You're not D-Nice, you're D-Nasty. Change your name. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you and I love you. I actually think you're rather cute. And you also piss me off. Because you keep flirting with how bad. She shot that shot. I didn't say nothing, but he's like, he keeps flirting with Hal Berry when she, listen, this is, this is what we're saying tonight now. You're chirping for Hal Berry in front of your adoring fans. And you allow it, please, D-Nice. So you made me mad because you're flirting with Hal Berry. You made me mad because you're playing great sets. DJ Sus One, you're making me even more mad. And all these DJ clashes in America, can you just allow it, please? Can you stop? Can you do it European time, our time, so we can watch in peace, okay? Mad. Also, <laughs> I'm very, very, very glad that I've forgotten what it was now, so vexed. I'm very glad that Lent is over um, because I've had crisps and it's been joyful to have crisps again. However, I'm also glad that we're quarantined because it makes me think twice about running to the shop to get more crisps because actually I would eat more crisps. So I'm glad that Lent is over. I'm glad that we're quarantined because I can't run around and get extreme amount of snacks as I would normally. Thank you and good night. I'm mad because no one at my housing association seems to care that I have no hot water and my boiler is broken. It's no longer an emergency, so that makes me mad. Ooh. I'm glad that my sister has let me and my daughter come to her house and um, quarantine with them. I wasn't really breaking any rules because when quarantine kicked in, I was actually at my sister's house and then I went home and I was at home for the three weeks or whatever it was. So the, uh, the last place I came was here. So <laughs> it kind of worked out all right. Um, and I'm sad because it's my niece's 20th birthday today. And although it's been great, we're all here. I'm sad for her that she doesn't get to go out and live it up. 
Um, so I'm sad that my favorite Insta Live um, workout person, Justine, is only doing three lives this week, and I'm really into my health and fitness at the moment. So that's gonna mix up my schedule a little bit, and I've got to figure out the other couple of days. So I'm sad about that. In terms of being mad, similar thing, Auntie AJ. I'm doing like an online branding course at the moment, kind of thing, um, which is done on American time. And I mix up the time and the class was at 2 a.m. But I thought it was at 6 a.m. So I missed the class and woke up at 6 a.m. for nothing. So I was very, very, very mad about that. <laughs> and I'm glad about that my hair brand on Instagram, Natural Style Story, has just reached 39,000 followers. Wow. Thanks very Amazing. much. Amazing. Wicked. Wicked. Wow. Okay. Alright, so I am sad that I went all the way to PAX following, I think it was you, Auntie AK, that said that you heard that PAX was open. And I went to Dawson and they were closed. So can I I say something? (laughs) I never said Dawson, you said Dawson. I said Finsbury Park PAX actually. Yeah, that's what I heard, Finsbury Park. But my niece made me drive to the one in Harlesden the other day and I was like, it ain't open. She's like, please, I want to do my hair. And it wasn't open. So at least we share that. But it's Finsbury Park that's meant to be open. All right, okay. But either way, I went out and it's not open and I had to come back home with nothing. So I was sad about that. And I'm mad I'm mad that I have two packages that should have arrived last week, but they're being held in customs. I've got one coming from Mali that's taken almost a month now to get through customs. And I have another one from Belgium who should have been here last Friday. So not too long, but both of them are being held up because of coronavirus stuff. So that's made me mad. And I'm glad that, again, like Sarita said, the sun is shining and we've spent a lot of time in the garden and it's been super fun. And at the park. And I don't care. I'm going to the park and we're spending a few hours there. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies, no one come for us. Come for Auntie Nana. Go directly to her. <laughs> don't come for the aunties. Actually, confidant is going to get you, but, you know. You dare. Thank you, aunties. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all plat- social media platforms at the British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. You can follow me, Auntie Sarita, on most platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, at Hey Sarita. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. Hey, I'm Auntie Sarita, and you've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never, hosted by The British Blacklist. Head over to SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify to listen back. Don't forget to follow us on Your Aunties Could Never over at Instagram. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow and comment. Bye.